You know, we've done these, we used to do these trips every year. We used to do two trips a year. The first one would be to the Boundary Waters. The Boundary Waters are in uh, Minnesota, the northern part of Minnesota. And Quetico Provincial Park is the Boundary Waters, in a sense, in in Canada. It is on the other, just on the other side of the border. Uh, and we used to do those trips, like I said, t- uh, twice a year. Uh, and we'd been up there many times before. We knew how to prepare. We knew what to bring. We knew... Uh, how to pack. Uh, what was this second trip was in July. It was a second trip that year, as I recall, and it was in July. And uh, while it's certainly further north, you know, it's it's fairly warm up there. Sometimes really hot up there, even, uh, you know. And so we had an eight-day trip. We were out in the water eight days, seven nights uh, with this with this group of kids, uh, you know. And we were prepared, but we weren't quite prepared. Um, for what we experienced that trip. That trip, it was, it was, uh, windy. It was, it was cool. Uh, it was, it was, it was cold. Uh, the one night we were setting up camp and uh, we got to the one larger lake and it was so windy. There were white caps on, on this little lake up there and, um, white caps and canoes don't go well together. So we decided we were going to set up camp there. And we did, and as we were setting up camp, it snowed. You know, I mean, here it is July, and, you know, and, and we're in this snow. Now, we all brought extra clothes with us. Extra clothes uh, is, a, is a misnomer. What happens when you're in on these trips, you put everything in what they call a compression sack, and it's about a big around as a, as a sleeping bag and about this high. And you put all your clothes for eight days in there. Now, yes, we rewore some clothes and yes, we all really stunk when we got out, but we didn't notice it until the next group came in and after we showered and it's like, oh, you stink. But, um, you know, so we had, we did have some stuff with us, but when we got up there, we didn't take long for us to realize hey, it's cold. Uh, and we, we thought, uh, well, let's check, and we saw what the weather was supposed to be, and it was supposed to continue to be cold. Uh, so we went in. You go in out from an outfitter. An outfitter, that's where you get the canoes and everything. Well, they also sell souvenirs. So we all bought souvenir long sleeve shirts, <laughs> you know, uh, to to go out this time. And I even bought a stocking cap. That's how cold it was out there. Uh, but what we ended up doing is... All of us wore every piece of clothing that we brought up there, you know, uh, the, you know, had on shorts and long pants and multiple layers of shirt, even had our rain gear on. And we wore this, you know, we wore this the whole time, the all, all eight days, you know, that we were up there. Um, I was glad we had everything we did, you know, we were prepared and it, it was a nice trip. It was a memorable trip, uh, you know, and um, it, it won't, it, it certainly won't be on the top of the list of which trip up there was the most fun for me, but it is up there on which one was, you know, most memorable. Uh, today, you know, we're going to look, we're going to look at, uh, continue our looking at the closing events of Genesis, and we're going to get some guidance, I believe, I did anyway, on being prepared. How can we be prepared, and what does it mean? What does being prepared mean? How does it unfold? Uh, and, you know, and what, what 
adjustments and things can be made. So anyway, let's pray, and we're going to get into our passage. Father, thank you for uh, the fact that you prepared for us. When I think about that, we're really uh, just kind of stunned at at the thoroughness of which uh, you've taken care of things. And to know that you're not surprised by anything. While we were surprised by the weather and we're surprised by what's going on in our country now, uh, you've not, you're not surprised by any of this and none of it is lost on you. None of it is a mystery to you. You're not wringing your hands wondering, oh my goodness, I, I wasn't ready for this. I thank you that we have such a God. I thank you that we have a relationship with you through Christ and you have been, uh, called us and allowed us to know you. Guide our thoughts this morning as we look into your word, and I pray that you would uh, touch each heart here. You know what's going on. You know what each one faces so much better than I do. So I pray that you would touch and that you would move and help us to see you, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 43, so if you want to turn to Genesis chapter 43 and whatever you use, your phone, uh, 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 actual Bible that you carry around, now, in the first part of chapter 43, if you've been following the, the um, videos that we've put online, uh, you'll remember, may, or maybe you won't, the first part of 43, uh, Israel and his sons had a bit of a confrontation. Now, here, when we say Israel, it's an individual. It's not a country. At this point, Israel is an individual, Jacob. Uh, you know, and here, Israel, Jacob, and his sons, uh, he wants his son, he wants his sons to return to Egypt to get more grain. They had gone for grain and, uh, they were out of it and so he wanted more. And his sons say, tell him there's no sense in going if Benjamin is not with them, you know, because that's what was required. And so after exchanging their frustrations and their observations with each other, Israel relents and agrees to let Benjamin go along with them. Now he seemed at, at the, you know, the verses that we ended with last week in verse 14, he really seems to kind of reluctantly, um, allow Benjamin to go. Well, if, you know, if, if I if I'm grieved, I'm grieved, you know, and if I'm sad, I'm sad, you know, this is what he says. And but then he also prepares gifts. He prepares gifts for uh of their land to bring along to the Egyptian official. Now we know the Egyptian official was Joseph. At this point, they did not yet know that the Egyptian official was Joseph. So in their minds, they're just preparing this they're preparing this gift for this Egyptian official who had say over what was happening. So pick up with me. Verse 15 of Genesis chapter 43. It says, The men took this gift, double the amount of money, and Benjamin. They made their way down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his steward, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal and prepare it, for they will eat with me at noon. The man did just as Joseph had said, and brought them to Joseph's house. But the men were afraid because they were taken to Joseph's house. They said, we have been brought here because of the money that was returned in our bags the first time. They intend to overpower us, seize us, make us slaves, and take our donkeys. So they approached Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the doorway of the house. They said, sir, we really did come down here the first time only to buy food. When we came to the place where we lodged for the night and opened our bags of grain... Each one's money was at the top of his bag. It was the full amount of our money, and we have brought it back with us. We have brought additional money with us to buy food. 
We don't know who put the money in our bags. Now we're going to pause there for a minute. We're going to pick up with the rest of it in a little bit. But notice here, the brothers, it says that they, they bring not only that gift that Israel had prepared, you know, but also it says they brought double the money that they expected to need. Now, the money was returned for payment from their first load of grain. When they went and picked up the first load of grain, and, and then, uh, well, we see where Joseph said to put the money back in their sacks. And when they got to the place where they were feeding the donkeys, feeding their animals for the night that's when they realized the money was you know the money was still there so here they're bringing that money back and you know also money to buy more grain now a thought for us you know is, is and, and oh i got the clicker uh, i forgot see i'm not used to doing these things anymore uh prepare well it's not clicking now andy so prepare well that's what it should say on there now. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get this thing worked out. Yeah, do that. That's it. See, I told you. Uh, now, obviously, you can only prepare for what you know. Uh, you know, and, but that's what that's what you need to do. You need to prepare for what you do know. When we were going up to Canada, thank you, sir. We were we prepared for what we know, what we what we knew. Now, uh, you know, it, it turned out to be more uncomfortable uh you know that but you prepare you know you prepare well so you know when you prepare for what you know is coming and so when you know it's coming do that prepare you know don't ignore it don't put it off you know don't put in a poor effort don't misuse the time you have now we we're all pretty good at doing that thank you sir we're all pretty good at doing that sometimes. You know, we can waste time. Trust me, I am my own biggest interruption. Uh, you know, ask Jenny, ask Kent. I am my own biggest interruption. Uh, you know, to, you don't have to, I, I don't have to have anything else there. You know, but so when you have that time and you have, and you know it's coming, you prepare well. Now, God may certainly give you a gift, you know, a gift of, in this case, a good deal, you know, but you also may have to pay full price. You know, and, you know, you, you may have to do all that's required. You know, and that's what you prepare for. You know, having a relationship with God does not mean he will exempt us from challenges. It does not mean he will exempt us from frustrations. Just because you have a relationship with God doesn't mean that he's going to remove all of those things for you. He certainly may, and he has for some. But you know what? Most often what happens is he grows us through those events. God always grows us through the events that he brings us through. They're not wasted on him. Whatever you're going through in your life is not wasted. You know, and you say, well, we've wasted all this time. And well, sometimes you do waste time. But here's the deal, you know, those challenges that are coming, God uses those to grow you. And he uses those to grow your faith. So when you prepare well, you know, realize that, you know, even though you're in the midst of trouble, he is growing you and he also may very well be using you as an example for someone else to grow. I've learned so much from other people and watching other people and watching how they've faced challenges and watching how they've gone through some things. And I've, I've learned so much. You know, and what I hope, now I, I, you know, we learn things both ways. We learn things because some do it well and we learn things because, 
you think, what in the world are they doing? You know, they don't do it so well. <clears throat> now, I have been both examples. I have, well, I hope I've been a good example for some. Um, I, I know I've been less than a good example for others. But, you know, the, the point there is, you know, God uses all of this stuff. And he, help, he, he, you know, he helps us grow and he helps others come to know him even better. Prepare well for what you know is coming. Prepare well for what you are responsible for. Prepare well for what you know you will have to face. Now, they brought the money that they got back. They brought the, they brought the money that they were going to need to buy more grain. And it says they also brought Benjamin, you see, because they didn't get to set the rules. They didn't get to set the rules. They knew that. We looked at that, you know, last week. They, they knew what Joseph told them to expect. If they wanted to get more grain and they wanted to get their brother Simeon back, if they wanted those two things, they were to have their youngest brother with them. So you prepare well and you prepare properly. You prepare properly, you know. Now, now here the, the point with this is, you know, you may not like what you have to do. You may not agree with what you have to do. You may not want to do what you have to do. We're in a time of year where you pay real estate taxes. I have never met anyone yet. Maybe, you know, if it's you, let me know. I have never met anyone yet that said, oh, good, you know, we get to pay real estate taxes this month. This is great. This is that time, my favorite time of year. We get to pay real estate, pay real estate taxes. Now, some of you pay them, you know, with your house payment. And so, you know, you realize it's going on. Some of you don't pay it with your house payment or you don't have a house payment. And, you know, you have to, you have to come up with how, however much money it is. When, um, when we were in Chicago, it was, you know, it's a significant amount of money. Um, you know, we, we had looked up, you know, my sister right now, uh, one, one of my sisters in Chicago was, um, she and her husband, we were talking with them, and they were rejoicing, you know, on, uh, it was my sister whose house burned down, her house burned down and the insurance money they got, you know, from all the stuff, not only the house, but all the stuff they had. Uh, so they were able, they actually bought a, a, a repossessed house and refurbished it and they were able to do it with the money that they got from the insurance company. Well, my brother-in-law was seriously close to emotionally ecstatic and he told me, he said, this is so great. We only have $450 a month for taxes and insurance. <laughs> I thought, only 450 insurance is cheap and i thought only 450 dollars a month for your you may not like some of the things you have to do but you prepare for it you prepare for it you know if you're not prepared for that you know in in this case with the taxes you're going to be in trouble if you know what you have to do then prepare properly prepare thoroughly prepare completely well, then we find them standing before Joseph again. You know, now they were prepared, but as they stood before Joseph, now things were out of their control. You see, they could, they had, a, they had control over how they prepared and if they prepared. Now they're standing for, before Joseph and it's no longer under their control. They did, you know, what, right up to this point, what they could. Now they had to trust Joseph. They had, as they, the, the one they knew as Pharaoh's official, you know, not realizing it's their brother. They had to trust Pharaoh's official, you know, the leader in charge of the, of the food program. They had to trust him that he would do what he said he would do. What were they there for? To buy grain. 
They were, they were ready to return the money, you know, that they need. They were ready to buy more grain. Well, things started in motion, and it wasn't buying grain. And all they could do was hang on for the ride. That, that was all, that's all they could do at this point. You know, they were taken to Joseph's house. Now that brought some fear to them, it says. And as often happens when fear shows up, and I think some of you realize that, um, they began to think the worst. They, they began to think the worst. When fear comes up, often that's where our mind goes, you know. Now, probably they certainly, and I can see where they may have felt they had a little bit reason to expect that something would happen. Because if you remember, the last time they were there at Joseph's house, they were accused of being a spy. The last time they were pulled out of line, if you will, out of the grain buying line uh, to meet with Joseph, it's because Joseph accused them of being spies. And as he accused them of being spies, then he threw them all in jail. And then after they were in jail a few days, he gets them back out of jail, and then he has Simeon bound before them, you know, and he gets tossed back in jail, and they get sent home. So the last time they were there, you know, it wasn't exactly it wasn't exactly uh, what they would have thought thought of as a good time. So here they are, and they're and they're fear, you know, they're they're struck with fear. It says now, what we need to do is we need to be very careful, be prepared, because fear often focuses on all that's wrong. When you're afraid, you begin to focus on all that's wrong. That song we just sang, you know, that, you know, even when I, I don't, I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. He is working. You know, he never stops working and God is working. You know, what we begin to do, those focus on all that's wrong. Whatever, and whatever causes that fear, whatever it is that causes that fear, it looms large. It is huge. It is the thing that is right before us. It is what's, what's got all of our attention is whatever it is that's causing fear in us. You know, and it, and it's right there, you know, screaming in our face. But often fear, you know, makes things seem worse than they really are. Fear often makes things seem worse, you know, than it really is. It clouds our perspective. It gets in the way of more rational thinking. Here, fear got the brothers' attention, but they didn't stop at fear. Notice that. They didn't stop with fear. They didn't just stay there. They took action. Even though they were afraid, they took action. They talked to the steward, and when they talked to the steward, they got more facts. You know, and one of the things that I have, I've encouraged, whenever I go to the hospital with someone, particularly as, as I come there and I, I meet with you, oftentimes it's in the emergency room. You know, and as we're there and we're, you know, in the emergency room together, one of the things that, that I, I try to remember to, to tell people is, Get all the information you can. You get all the information you can. Because when you get, you know, some of that information, some of that information itself is just going to set the fears aside. But you get all that information you can because then you can, you know, you're going to be able to make the best decision you can. So when it comes to fear, you know, if you're prepared, then you can get a proper focus. And it's not clicking. All right. Well, I have to work on this. Give me the next slide, Andy. You know, it's, you know, when you're prepared, you know, you can help get that proper focus for you. You know, and if it, you know, getting the proper focus is work. It's deliberate. It's intentional. 
You have to put in the time. You have to put in the effort. Slow down, you know, if you can. You know, fear likes to make us rush. You know, it likes to make us hurry. Now, if you can, you know, slow down just so that you can get a, a, a better focus. Step back if you can. And again, you know, sometimes we need that space physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, we, we might need that space. But put in the work. Work to see more possibilities. Work to see what's, th- what's there so that you can make better decisions. Pick up with me again. Verse 23. Verse 23, Genesis chapter 43. Then the steward said, May you be well. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your fathers must have put the treasure in your bags. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward brought the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and got feed for their donkeys. Since the men had heard that they were going to eat a meal there, they prepared their gift for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came home, they brought him the gift that they had carried into the house, and they bowed down to the ground before him. There's that fulfillment of that dream years ago. Verse 27, he asked if they were all well, and he said, How is your elderly father that you told me about? Is he still alive? They answered, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed down to honor him. When he looked up and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother that you told me about? Then he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Excuse me. Joseph hurried out because he was overcome with emotion for his brother, and he was about to weep. He went into an inner room to weep. Then he washed his face and came out. Regaining his composure, he said, Serve the meal. They served him by himself, his brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who were eating with them by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, since it was abhorrent to them. They were seated before him in order by age, from the firstborn to the youngest. The men looked at each other in astonishment. Portions were served to them from Joseph's table, and Benjamin's portion was five times larger than any of theirs. They drank and got intoxicated with Joseph. Well, it ends a little odd there, doesn't it? But, uh, you know, they learn they're going to have lunch with this Egyptian official, again, not realizing it's Joseph. They're going to have lunch with this Egyptian official. And so when they learn this new information, uh, they began to prepare their gifts to present to Joseph. You see, what you need to do is prepare for what you know. You know, prepare for that. Now, you know, that includes new information. When we prepared for that trip to Canada, we prepared for what we knew. But because we prepared for what we knew, then we were able to make the adjustments when it came that it was a little different than what we were used to, a little different. from. So you prepare, you know, you prepare for what you know, and that includes that new information as you go along. You know, we often worry about what we cannot control. We often worry about, you know, what we can't control and we overlook then what we can control when your focus is on those things you can't control whatever is looming large with that fear and you can't control those things then you often overlook the things you can control use your fear to help you see what you can do and then do it you know use that use it to whatever it is that you can do then do it you know knowing knowing it seeing what you can do is of no value unless you act on it. I saw a report on our local news a few weeks ago, and then I saw the same subject on the national news this past Tuesday. 
Uh, this past Tuesday, it was a report of how people are not going to the emergency room when they need to. They were specifically focused on heart events and heart issues. And they said people are having chest pains and are having the symptoms of a heart attack, and they're not going to the emergency room because they're afraid of catching the, the COVID virus. And so they're not going in. And the report, uh, you know, they were talking about, they said people are dying because they're afraid to go in. And they said, you know, that you're more likely to die from that heart attack than you are to catch the COVID virus. They they were talking about the fact of, in the ER, that all the COVID patients are over, you know, taken off in a different area so that they still have emergency room facilities for <laughs> normal emergencies. You know, uh, you know, and so they were, they were talking about that. You know, they were afraid to go to the ER. Now, now fear may open your eyes to something, but use that to help you seek, to, to guide you in seeking help, not to prevent you from taking action. You know, when something's there and you're concerned, you know, you do it to, you know, so you, you can take some action. Part of what they did here, they went and told Joseph Stewart about getting their money back from their first trip. And then it says they also brought money along, you know, to buy more grain. Why? Because you prepare for what you know. They were preparing for what they knew. They knew to get more grain, they were going to have to pay for it. So they were prepared for that. But, you know, they also told, you know, Joseph Stewart about getting their money back on their first trip. Because one of the things you need to prepare for is prepare to be transparently honest. Prepare to be transparently honest. You know, don't hide the facts. Don't look to hide the facts. Don't look to shade things, you know, in in your own light. Don't try to see how much you can get away with. Be ready to tell the truth. And then tell the truth when the time comes to tell it. Prepare to be transparently honest and then be honest. A number of years ago, uh, we sold one of our cars, uh, you know, and I put it on the corner out here in in Glenn's lot and... uh, I had, you know, had a sign on it. We got a phone call from a guy and he asked how much it was. I don't remember exactly what it was. Let's say 2,300 bucks just because it makes the math easy for me. So he asked if I'd be willing to take $300 less, if I'd be willing able, you know, to take the 2,000. I said, no, I I said, I really wouldn't. I said, "I, I just put it out there and I think it's a fair price for the car. And he said, well, okay, then he'd, he'd take it for the 2,300. Well, then we made arrangements to meet, you know, and uh, as we were going to go over there, and I told the guy, I, you know, I said, I, I, I wanted cash. I, you know, I wasn't going to take a check from somebody I didn't know. Uh, so I told him, I, you know, I, I really wanted cash for it, and he said, okay. Well, I went up to the store, and I bought one of those marking pens that you can mark, you know, and you mark it, and if it's a fake bill, uh, I don't know, it sets it on fire or something, whatever it does. Uh, you know, so, yeah, you know, it's a fake bill. Well, so we go, and, you know, we're looking at the car, and I explain some things to him, you know, about it, and tell him some of the issues we had, what we did, and, you know, whatever else it might need. And I told him these things. Well, he said, okay, he, you know, he'd, he'd be fine and he'd take the car. Well, so then he hands me a, a lot of cash. Well, I start going through it with my marking pen, you know, and I'm marking, you know, I'm marking the bills and counting it out and got to the end. He was $300 short. I said to the guy, I said, you know, you're $300 short. Oh yeah, he says, he reaches in his pocket took out $300 bills and handed it to me. He was prepared. 
But here, you know, what, what, what you need to realize, you know, with this thing, he was prepared, but he was simply being a little less than honest with me. You better know that a little less than honest is dishonest, okay? A little less than honest is dishonest, and God's people should be prepared to be honest, transparently honest, not dishonest at all, not in the least. Now, the response they received from the steward at the door was a good one. You know, he says, hey, you know, hey, we, you know, we, we, you know, we got you. They were really treated quite nicely. Now, notice they said that they were afraid they were going to get overpowered and that their donkeys would get stolen. Here it says he even fed their donkeys. You know, he, he prepared, uh, you know, got things ready and uh, told them it's good and even fed their donkeys. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, these fears they had just kind of, you know, well, they weren't gone yet because Joseph wasn't there. Uh, but then they heard that they were going to have the meal with Joseph, so they prepared for his arrival. That says they presented the gifts that they brought, and Joseph talks with them. Now, I assume he's still talking through an interpreter. We're not told specifically, but earlier he talked through an interpreter. I assume he's doing the same thing here, talking to them, you know, through an interpreter. Uh, and Joseph sees Benjamin. He's overcome with emotion. He needs to excuse himself to regain his composure. Um, you know, I, 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 can we identify with that? I, I think we can. Now, uh, you know, being overcome with emotion, I think one of the things that sticks out in, in most people's mind, the first time you saw your parents cry. And you probably remember that. You know, and you remember what it felt like. And if it was because of something you did, whew, then you really, then you really remember it. Well, here Joseph excuses himself and says he has to go in the other room and, and you know, literally he wept. And he had to wash his face. He had to regain his composure a little bit. Um, you know, and he comes back out and has a meal with him. Now, as they're sharing the meal, the, the, the dinner with Joseph, one detail that I want to mention kind of stuck out to me. Look at verse 32. It says, They served him by himself, his brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who were eating with them by, them, by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, since that is abhorrent, to them. How would you like to have dinner with someone who found you abhorrent? Some of the other translations say, you know, that they were an abomination. Uh, loathsome. Loathsome. There's a word for you. Uh, or that they were detestable. I've been in that position. I, I had, you know, I had a meal with somebody who found me Loathsome is probably a good good description uh, of that. Here's a deal for us. You know, be prepared because everyone will not like you. It's hard to hear. It's even harder to experience, but it's true. Now, why be prepared for that? Because you need to be prepared for that because don't let their opinion direct you. Still be the person God is calling you to be. Don't let their opinion direct you. Be the person that God is calling you to be. 
Now, if you take a minute and look at your outline, you'll, you'll see how, you know, we really be, need to be prepared, you know, and that's what it is. Be prepared to be the person God is calling you to be. We don't always receive a good response. Some will take advantage of you, but be the person God is calling you to be. Not the person another person's conduct is pushing you toward. You be the one that God wants you to be. Fear will occasionally come charging at you. Be the person God is calling you to be, not the person that, that is being pushed by fear. You know, and respond to God in every situation, not to the situation alone. Respond to God in that situation. And then, you know, prepare properly, prepare well, prepare for what you know and what you learn along the way. Prepare to be transparently honest, no hidden agenda. Prepare to be the person God is calling you to be. Always, everywhere, all the time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for those who have gone before and have um, been a good example for us. Thank you for those who have put your word together so that we might be able to read it, so that we might be able to follow, so that we might be able to see and know and understand a little bit more of what you are calling us to be as people. And Father, through it all, we need to be what you are calling us to be. We're pushed around by situations. We're pushed around by uh, fears and emotions. Some comes from the outside and some comes from the inside. But with it all, Lord, we need to be that person that you are calling us to be. We need to be holy and righteous in your sight. We need to act in accordance with your word and your truth. We need to act in accordance with what it means to have a relationship with you, with what it means to be the people of God in the world, but not of it. Thank you again for this time we could get together. Thank you for the blessings of the body. I pray that you would guide us and help us, Lord, that each one of us more and more would be the person you are calling us to be, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.